Good. Well, today it's the last one in a series on discipleship. And we're looking at scripture in particular, but I'm going to expand on that a bit more in a moment. Um, And we've also had that verse, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. And that's the kind of strap line I want to concentrate on today. I'm going to read a big chunk of Psalm 119. I'm not going to read all of it because it's 176 verses, um, but it's my favourite psalm, and uh, Mark, you suggested it be a good one to sort of unpack. So I don't want you to look it up in your Bibles this time. I just want you to listen. I'm going to read the first 12 verses, and then I'm going to read some other ones, just taking them out and trying to make it flow. But so we try and hear what the psalmist is saying. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that have been fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. Your statutes are my delight. They're my counsellors. I walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings and will not be put to shame. For I delight in your commands because I love them. I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I may meditate on your decrees. I've considered my ways and have turned my steps towards your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver or gold. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They're the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Great peace have those who love your law. And nothing can make them stumble. May my cry come before you, Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. May my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your promise. May my lips overflow with praise, for you teach me your decrees. May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are right. May your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. What a great psalm. I'm just going to pray before I say any more. Lord, you and your word are life-giving. And whatever I say now, Lord, right or wrong, please speak. Amen. 
I gather that in times of revival, um, there's always a rediscovery of the truth and authority of Scripture. So my prayer is bring it on. (laughs) Bring it on. And we've heard over the last few weeks uh, that discipleship is about following a person. The word discipleship doesn't occur in Scripture. That's because discipleship isn't a ship. It's not something you get on for a ride and it takes you to a destination. You're not a passenger. Discipleship is about following a person. And Marky said last week, being a disciple is living in obedience to Jesus. So in looking at scripture, I want to look wider than just scripture in terms of text. And I want to look at the word of God. Something amazing about that psalm is that the the word of God, that word occurs over 40 times in one psalm. Which is staggering, isn't it? So I don't want to talk about letters on a page. Because when God speaks, God's words always do something. And the last thing I want is for us to look at something academic and it for not to do anything in me or in the world we live in. So um, I've heard someone translate word, the word of God, like this. It's the vital living expression of God's active presence. Amen to that. May God speak his word to us today. The vital living expression of God's active presence. So the Bible, scripture, this great book, um, Muslims treat their Quran as so holy that it's almost like Jesus to them. We don't. I remember being, my neighbor being very shocked. They came into my house and a Bible was on the floor. And they were so shocked by that. How can you put such a holy thing on the floor? Well, to me, it was a book. Sorry, but it contains words. But to them, their Quran is special. It's holy. But what I would say is that this, this wonderful book contains the word of God. A womb contains a child. But the womb isn't the child, the child is. And it's a bit like that with scripture. It contains the word of God. But unless you're connected to God, actually, it may not make sense to you. (laughs) So my prayer today is that it will make sense. Here's an example. A group of people were following Jesus. This is in John 6. And they asked him, what must we do to work the works of God. That what must we do to work the works that God requires? Really good question. Perhaps something you'd like to ask. So, what am I meant to do? <laughs> That's the kind of question. What do I do to work God's works? And Jesus could have said, seeing as there was a whole lot of people around him who were quite religious, he could have said, well, what you need to do is learn the Torah, look it up, read the commandments, Do this, do that. But he didn't say that. He said, the work of God is this. Believe on the one that he has sent. 
That must have blown their minds. The work of God is this, to believe on the one that he has sent. That word believe, it's not ticking a box of something academic. Um, there's a Hebrew scholar I use his dictionary occasionally called Vine, Mr. Vine. And uh, he says the word believe means to place confidence in, to be persuaded of, to trust in, to rely on. I like that. That's belief. So it's not, I believe the chair will hold my weight. Well, it is like that. It's, I trust in it. I know this is true. Okay. So my question today for me and for you is this. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you following him? Are you living in relationship with him? Are you believing on him? I'm not saying, are you doing what's expected of you? Are you doing what you think the church has put on you? Or you're putting on yourself what other people have put on you? I've been very inspired on holiday um, reading a book, and uh, it wasn't Grisham, it was uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, <laughs> a bit different to someone like Grisham, and uh, he's an interesting guy. Who's heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? You can put your hand up. Some, most, not all. Okay, Bonhoeffer. Okay, he was a theologian. He was a pastor in Germany before the Second World War. And he was a giant of a man, I have to say, in terms of his thinking, his service of others, his self-sacrifice. Amazing. Just love to meet him. Maybe one day I will. <laughs> Amazing chap. Read his stuff. It's good. His friends tried to persuade him to not be in Germany in the time of the war and leading up to the war because he was standing against the Nazi regime. Because he could see that for the country, it was asking them to put their trust in the Führer as a god. And he said, that is not right. And he paid for it with his life. Regrettably, he was hung three days before the end of the war. Tragic. But he writes some great stuff. One of the things he says is this. The pure word of Jesus has been overlaid with so much human ballast. Burdensome rules and regulations, false hopes, consolations. So it's become extremely difficult to make a genuine decision to follow Christ. When the Bible speaks of following Jesus, he says, it's proclaiming a discipleship which will liberate mankind from all man-made dogmas, every burden and oppression, every anxiety and torture that afflicts the conscience. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Discipleship is freeing. Jesus said this. I'm reading this from the message. You're warned. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Or in the other version, you'll probably remember it is, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For you. my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
So I want to take a break here, just for a minute or so, to say I don't want anyone to be sitting here under a condemnation that's not from God. Okay? Stuff. (laughs) I wish I was like this. Someone's asked me to do that. Or your own self-imposed burden. Because Jesus has called us to freedom. Yes? Freedom. True freedom. True freedom. So if you're weary, burdened, heavy laden, I want you to come to rest. So I'm going to stop for a minute. Just let you do that in your own heart. And then I'll carry on. Okay. Paul said, the Apostle Paul, it's in Christ we find out who we are and what we're living for. Yeah. Psalm 119, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I want to take a brief look at Peter, the disciple, and see what we can learn from discipleship about him. first time he met Jesus, Jesus said, follow me. And the last conversation he had with Jesus, Jesus said, follow me. And an awful lot in between, he had to follow Jesus. And those occasions were difficult. (laughs) For example, I want you to feed 5,000 people. Here's a couple of loaves, a few fish. I think that could be quite a humiliating experience if it didn't happen. Like it didn't get to the end of the row. (laughs) Uh, Or even worse, Jesus said, well, come on then, step out of the boat and walk on the water. Come on. Who do you think I am? An idiot? Jesus said, do it. And he did it. I've got respect for Peter. He might have messed up at times, but I've got respect for Peter. And it all started when Jesus said, come on then, follow me. The word means, it's quite an urgent word. It means, come on here then, follow me, come on. It's, it's a command, actually. It's not an option. I wonder what would happen if Peter said, well, yeah, okay, but actually I'd rather do my, my Christianity at home. It wasn't an option for Peter, or Levi, or the others. I suggest that Peter's response was an act of obedience and not a confession of faith. (laughs) So here's my question again, based on that. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Are you living in relationship with Jesus? Are you believing on him? So when Peter was called, he knew it was all or nothing. He left everything to follow Jesus. And it was freedom for him. He discovered that grace and obedience are hand in hand. You can't really learn grace if you don't obey. 
How can you know the grace of God if you don't step out and do what God says? Grace and obedience are an amazing partnership, I suggest. Do you want to know the grace of God? Do what he says. Scripture records some very interesting people who try to negotiate with Jesus on how to do this walk of discipleship. Uh, A couple in particular that I would want to think about very briefly. The first one was the rich young man. Now the rich young man, he had a lot of wealth and he came to Jesus and he asked a very good question, one that we kind of touched earlier, and it was this. What good thing must I do to get eternal life? In other words, what am I meant to do? Good question. And he told Jesus he kept all the commandments. He'd done okay. So what am I meant to do, Jesus? Jesus said this. Sell all your possessions and follow me. And it says in scripture, the young man went away sad as he had great possessions. The problem for this young man was he hadn't taken what he knew of scripture seriously. (laughs) Because he'd already quoted all the commandments, love your neighbour as yourself. But he clearly didn't. And so it's like he was trying to negotiate with Jesus. (laughs) I don't really want to do it, so let's argue the point. And it was the same for the person, the teacher, the lawyer, who came up to Jesus and said, um, Asked the same question, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what are the laws? Well, it's, you know, love God with all your heart, yeah, okay, and love your neighbour yourself, okay. And so the guy said, well, uh, so who's my neighbour then? Ha, gotcha. So Jesus told a story and said, well, you're a neighbour to someone, go and do it. The man hadn't done it. And I find this is such a challenge. This is why I don't want to concentrate just on the written word. It's got to apply. It's got to be real. It's got to be living. Affect who I am and what I do and how we live. So this is Bonhoeffer again. Only the person who follows the command of Jesus single-mindedly and unresistingly lets his yoke rest upon him and finds his burden easy and discovers the grace to bear it. The command of Jesus is hard, unutterably hard, for those who try to resist it. But for those who willingly submit, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. As it says in 1 John, his commandments are not grievous. I find this hugely challenging, and I do not feel worthy to stand up here and talk about it. But let me tell you, I want it. And I need people like you to hold me to account and I want to encourage you to say, let's go for this. Let's really do what Jesus says and live by it and not try and negotiate with God. Bonhoeffer actually tells quite an interesting story, so I'll try and repeat it in my own words. Let's say that there's a little boy and he's really tired and getting very scratchy. You know the kind of thing? Just doesn't want to do what he's told and tired and keeps bawling and shouting out. And so the father comes up to the boy and says, okay, I think you're tired, it's time for bed. So the boy thinks to himself, ah, my father loves me, 
He's told me it's time for bed because I'm tired. What he means is, I'm tired, therefore I need to be refreshed. The way I get refreshed is to go out and play with my friends. So I'm going to play with my friends because actually what I've then done is obeyed the command of a father. It's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. But I suggest that our hearts, sometimes my heart, can be so subtle in trying to change what God is saying to make it something that I think I can manage and excuse myself from actually doing what God says. There's a few nods. Yeah. Jesus says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness and will have the light of life. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Martin Luther. All heard of Martin Luther? Quite a well-known chap. The Reformation, all this kind of thing. He uh, really felt the call to give up everything and follow Christ. And he became a monk. And he went into the monastery and he sought God there. And he served God as a monk. But... (laughs) There came a time when God demanded something of Luther which shattered him. And it was this. I want you to go out of the monastery and live in the world. He found that more difficult than becoming a monk. Because it wasn't special. It wasn't different. It wasn't exceptional. It wasn't kind of super spiritual. It wasn't protected. It wasn't so easy to go out there and serve God in the marketplace. He had to obey. (laughs) And he did. When we're called to follow Christ, we are summoned to something that's exclusive to following Jesus. It's not to a goal. It's not to something measurable necessarily. It's not to something finite But it's infinite possibilities because we're following Jesus who's infinite. I suppose at the bottom of all this, what I'm thinking is that we cannot change Jesus or God. He is who he is. And when he called Peter and Matthew and the others, they realized this is someone I either follow or I don't. And they gave their all and followed him. Um, Malcolm Duncan, I've quoted him before. He's a, a minister in, where is it, Marky? Gold Hill Baptist Church, that's right. He says this. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is the only way to a full relationship with God. I think we'd all agree with that. He's the only name given to people by which they can truly know what God is like. I think we all agree with that. He says this. Our confidence doesn't lie in the hope that following him, the storm will pass. Our confidence lies in the reality that our ankle will hold no matter how strong the wind. (laughs) Is that right? We follow him with everything and it's not what we expect and it's not what we would hope for maybe. It's not at all what we anticipated but actually we learn about Jesus and we learn about eternal values. We learn about how wonderful God is and how faithful he is when I can't cope. Oh, glory. When I had to step out of the boat and it just doesn't seem sensible and God's there. (laughs) 
when I'm given something to give to others and I give it out and it keeps coming and it's feeding thousands. Where did that come from? It's because you're following Jesus. Not because you've got it in yourself. That's called a life of faith. And that's what I want for all of us. A life that's so real and living and practical and day by day and walking on this earth and talking to people in workplaces and stuff like that that changes people's lives because God's alive and he's at work. So, back to scripture. Love it. (laughs) Read it. Eat it. Um, Chris and I were talking, actually it was this morning I think, wasn't it, that that, um, we can often read books about scripture, um, not against books, and she might say I have too many. Um, But we need to get into the Bible. Some good friends I know, uh, one of them, lovely guy out in Africa, he says I don't actually read many books except um, biographies. (laughs) He said because there I can see it working. So I love my scripture and I study it and I'll reflect on it and all these kinds of books that help me study. But otherwise, it's biographies. I don't really want books, that some of which may be an excuse for not doing something or trying to interpret something that's a bit more manageable. Stick to scripture. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of truth in that. In fact, John, uh, Jesus said this. And I'm going to read it out of an old version, actually just so it's uh, because I like this particular translation. If any man will do God's will, he shall know the doctrine, whether it's of God or whether I speak of myself. So in a sense, interpreting what is right and wrong comes out of obedience, not the other way around. I'm just pondering whether to say something else, but I won't. That's fine. So, we stopped for a pause to throw off stuff that was burdensome because it was not of God. I want us to finish with another pause. (laughs) This time, I want to say, Jesus, what are you saying to me? Really? He's very practical. What are you saying? And am I doing it? Simple as that. Because we want to be followers of Jesus. And scripture and his word is a living thing. It's alive and it makes a difference and it instructs us and guides us. So is God saying something to you? Is there a call on your life? Some hint as to what God's saying. I was humbled and blessed to hear of what David and Eileen are doing. And dear Eileen, pray. I just think, yeah, absolutely. Let's move on. Let's discover fresh ground with God. So on your um, leaflet, which you had when you brought in, there's a gap saying notes. Space for notes. So my question is this, is God saying something to you and you need to act on it? If so, make a note. Don't have to tell anyone about it, 
though you may want to. I'd encourage that. But do something about it. Because out of obedience comes grace and life and freedom. Who knows what God will do with people who are abandoned to him. Amen? So let's do that. Take a minute just to reflect, write something down if you want to. But let's be real. God is here. Okay. I'd like us to finish then by actually just saying the Lord's Prayer together. Because it kind of verbalizes some of this stuff. Our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name, (laughs) your kingdom come, your will be done. In other words, not mine, necessarily, (laughs) in that sense. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us what we need every day. Forgive us what we do wrong. Keep us from temptations. That your kingdom come. Should we do that? Should we stand, just face the front together and say the Lord's Prayer together?